Episode 10 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Let's affirm this. Righto guys, welcome along to episode 10 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles, the monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, here I go, I'm back in my lounge, last month I sat in my lounge and I was in a sunny, beautiful day and sitting in my lounge and I thought, oh I might go back in the lounge today, but it's not a sunny, beautiful day. Winter is coming to the Christchurch city and uh, I'm looking outside at the clouds overhead and there's a bit of spit in the sky and it's not necessarily a good, good place. I'm actually about to go off to a school. I'm, there's a local school called St Andrews School, which is a school that goes right through from junior to high school. Um, basically, kids of all age are at the same school. And I'm training their cross-country running group for a training session for a race that they have in three weeks from now. So once I finish today's show, I'm going to be whipping off down to the school and taking some kids through some running drills and in a running session and I have to admit I'm quite a, I, I did a session with them the other day and I really really enjoyed it kids are a really interesting thing to work with because their attention span isn't that good and they are also very um, expressive of their own uh, needs or, or their own thoughts on things so they, they spend a lot of time telling you about their experience of the world and it, it tends to be all about them which is as a coach environment can be a little bit more challenging than adults because adults will tend to want to get the focus and want to get the learning and so the challenge is as a coach is to how to create an environment where they can get the learning that you're trying to get them through to keep them motivated and keep them fun and interesting and and a lot of it I'm learning or I've learned from work with working with kids over the years is actually about giving them the control of the environment and you are trying to help them discover some rules that they can set for themselves and anyway I'm, I'm waffling but I, I'm really enjoying with these kids and apparently I don't know much about the competition they're going to be coming against but apparently I've got some kids in my group who have got a pretty good chance of winning the local regional championships which are going to be in a couple of weeks from now so it's really cool. Anyway what's happening this month's show well we're going to be getting into the show pretty soon but before we do I just want to talk quickly about last month's show we are the last month's show I've had so many emails about it, it obviously had a pretty big impact on uh, just the message that I put out there and I know it was something that was a lot different to what people are used to hearing out there and I got emails from people who don't exercise at all and they're saying that you know it really has changed their way of thinking about going into exercise. I got some emails from um, people in the medical industry saying they're going to try implement some of this stuff into what they're telling their clients and then I even got emails from people who are in the industry and said they'd never really thought of you know, how hard it is for people who don't exercise. So I, last month's show was one of those shows that was, for me, was one of the ones that maybe was a shift in thinking for people. And so I was really, I don't know, got a lot of satisfaction from the fact that you guys are really enjoying what I'm doing there. I suppose, if anything, if you can help me help others, um, if you do know people who can get value from last month's show, send it out. Just give them an email. Just say, hey, look, you know, there's, there's some a way of thinking that can maybe help you get some exercise back in your life. You know, it's one of those things that, a lot of people are struggling with, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably actually read out a couple of those emails at the end of today's show, uh, just so you guys can get into it and maybe you know see what see what you guys were saying. Other than that, um, I'm, I'm actually thinking I might put my fire on. <laughs> That's how cold it is in my across right now. I'm sitting here in my lounge, 
I'm looking out the window of these clouds, and I've got—I've literally got a bomber jacket on, which is a big kind of ski jacket. And admittedly, I'm probably not helping my cause because I've got shorts on because I taught some classes this morning. So um, maybe I should just go get some long pants on and harden up a little bit. Anyway, I'm going to get into this month's show. It's—it's it's an interesting show, and. Again, hopefully it's going to reintroduce some concepts you haven't heard of or, or put them in place so you can maybe install them in your life. So let's get the music on, let's get cranking, and here comes this month's show. There's this great book called Predictably Irrational by a guy called Dan Ariely, and uh, if you get a chance to read it, I highly recommend it. It's kind of about... Uh, economic theory and economic theory says that we make the best decision based on the information we have in front of us and his book kind of argues that that's not necessarily the case and we often make quite irrational decisions when it comes to making financial decisions and and in this book Dan O'Reilly tells the story of one time when he was sitting around having lunch with two of his other MIT professors by the name of Nina Mazar, Ona Muir and himself and they're sitting around talking about Dishonesty. Uh, I think it was around the time when Enron had happened, so there'd been a lot of, you know, financial dishonesty happening in the world, and they were curious about what kind of dishonesty happens and how dishonesty happens. So these three professors thought that they'd do a study to see when will people be dishonest and how will they be dishonest or how much would they be dishonest. So they they went to the Harvard Business School. And they set up a situation where they did a test with 50 questions of multi-choice questions of kind of standard questions. You know, who wrote Moby Dick? And, you know, what year did World War II end? And just real general questions. The idea of the study was to figure out when people would cheat and how much they would cheat. So the first time they did the test, they told their students that they would give them 10 cents for every correct answer that they would answer. And the first time they did the test, they were just trying to figure out the control group to get the, the basic amount of answers that the group would get. So first time it was a normal test, you know, you walk in the room, you sit down, you take the test, you take the answers back and you get marked and you get your 10 cents per answer. The first time they did it, of the 50 questions that there was, the average answer across the whole group was 32.6. So the average amount that people got right was 32.6. They end up doing the test three more times, but they changed a few things about the test the second and third and fourth time they did it. The second time they did it, they gave the students what they call a bubble sheet. Now, a bubble sheet, for you who don't know what that is, is a bubble sheet is a sheet that gives you the answers to answer off once you've done the quiz. So the second time they did it, they got them to do the test and they got them to do their own answers. But when they opened up the bubble sheet, the bubble sheet had the correct answers on them. And then once they'd gone through all their answers, they had to go up to the front desk and hand over their answers to the tester and take their money, and away they went. They were curious to see if, if, you know, in this situation where they actually had the answers in there, would they change their answers to their advantage and gain some more money? The third time they did the test, they actually got the students to shred up their answer sheet at the end of it and just take the bubble sheet up and tell the the examiner how many answers they'd correctly answered and then get the money and then the fourth time they did the test they only said to the students all you have to do is come and get the money out of the jar for the correct answers that you would get 
Leading into this this study that they were doing, they were curious to see under the different scenarios, test number one, where the control group, where they were getting 32.6 correct of the answers. Test number two, you know, what kind of answers would they go to where they had the answers and they could change them, but they would have to hand them in. Test number three, where they still have to hand in the bubble sheet and tell them how much it was. And test number four, where they just took the money. How much variance there would be and would people be dishonest? Well, the second group, the group who had the answer sheet and the bubble sheet and were able to change their answers, came in with an average score of 36.2. Four answers more, or nearly four answers more, than what the control group had generally got. What they found really interesting was when they went to the third group, where now you could shed your shred your um, answer sheet and just go up and you know hand in your bubble sheet and take your money, the answers came in around 35.9. And then the fourth group, the group that they thought, you know, had the easiest way of, you know, being dishonest and taking the most amount of money, still came in and claimed to have answered 36.1. What they concluded from this study was that most people will be willing to be dishonest, but only a small amount. If you want to go more into this, I highly recommend reading the book, but that was the conclusion they made, that in most situations, people will only cheat just a little bit. And when you think of it, they talk of, um, they talk of you know, a lot of people would easily steal a pen from a conference and not think twice of it because it's just a little bit of dishonesty, but you'd never steal a box of pens from a conference because that would seem wrong. After a while, after doing this study, that you know, they were really fascinated in this concept of people being just dishonest just a little bit. So they thought they'd do a different study on a similar type of way. So they did this mass test where they gave the students 20 questions, which were solvable questions and you know that they could figure out. But they were pretty kind of tough questions. And again, they got the control group to go through the questions and answer them. The control, the control group went through the, the process and they, their average answer rate for the test was 3.1. The second time, they gave the, the students the ability, again like before, just to write down how many answers they had got correct. No one would be checking their marks and they were curious to see, would again people be dishonest? So again, the second time, people came in, redid the test, did the questions, and they came in, and the average answers that this group claimed to get right was 4.1. This kind of sits in what they'd already discovered, that give people an opportunity, and they'll be dishonest, just a little bit. But the difference when it came to the third group that they tested was, before they sat down to do the test, they said to them, I want you to write down as many of the Ten Commandments that you can remember. Ten Commandments from the Bible. Uh, to be honest, I don't really know any of them. I'm sure if some of you do. I'm sure there's something about death and, and family and stuff. But you had to write down the Ten Commandments, you know, as many as you can before you did the test. So away they went. They got the people to write down the Ten Commandments. Then they created the environment where they would be able to cheat. They said to them, look, all you have to do is just tell us how many answers you have correct. And the third time, when they got the students to write down the Ten Commandments first, they all came, the average mark they came in on was 3.1. For some reason... By making these students write down the Ten Commandments, and in the book they talk about how some students only got one of the Ten Commandments correct, but for some reason, by putting their mind space in this place where there was a moral compass around what they were doing, 
it stopped people from being dishonest. That for some reason having a moral compass or a guideline has such a big influence over the way we behave in certain situations. They then go on in the book and they talk about lawyers. They talk about, I can't remember what state it was in America, but they're saying that um, one of the big states, I think Florida just offhand, Florida and America, they did a study of lawyers and they would ask them if they were to start their career again knowing what they know about their industry because it's such a dishonest industry, would they start again? And half of the lawyers in Florida said that they wouldn't because they don't like the moral conduct of their industry. And, they, and so in the book they explore this further and further and and they were curious to see that uh, they looked at the profession of lawyers then, and, and in the, around the 50s and 60s, there was always an, an oath to being a lawyer that you would confirm that you'd be a part of in being a lawyer. And, and around that time, around the 60s, they stopped having an oath because they thought that it was, seemed too elitist and they wanted to open up the field to as many people as possible. And they were curious to see that maybe since the time that they've lost the oath, has that had a negative influence on the way lawyers behave? So then they set up another uh, you know, control group situation where they did a test at MIT and they got the control group to answer the questions and again they got three and again the cheat group got 5.5 again. We only just, we're only just a little bit dishonest and that's okay. But the third time they did it, they got the students from MIT before they answered the questions to say, I will stick to the honor code of the MIT university. Now, the ironic thing was that there is actually no honor code to the MIT University, but again, by getting the students to say that they would stick to the honor code, nobody cheated. Well, they concluded by this, this these studies that they've done, you know, that people are a little bit dishonest, is that somehow people need reminders of morality in moments of decision making, that we need a guidance that's going to keep us on the correct path for us at times when we get choices in our life. And that's going to lead me into today's point. Today I'm going to talk about affirmations. What is an affirmation? Well, well, the dictionary has three definitions. It says it's an act of affirming or the state of being affirmed as an assertion, something declared to be true, a positive statement or judgment. It's in law. It's a solemn declaration given in place of a sworn statement by a person who consciously objects to taking an oath. So, what is an affirmation? Well, dictionary could probably confuse it. And, and in my world, an affirmation is a rule or a, a thought that you consciously put in your mind to remind you of where you want to be going in your life. I thought I'd share how I first came onto affirmations. When I first kind of came out of my transition period in my life from being, you know, the druggy alcohol that you've probably heard from in other shows. One of the first books I read was a book called um, The Greatest Salesman in the World, and it's by a guy called Old Mandingo. Now, I'm sure if you've been into the traditional self-help world, you've probably heard of Og Mandingo, and Og Mandingo would write these books, um, and they were very sales-focused, but they were basically these, these very biblical-type kind of written words that were, uh, it was kind of like a chapter, but a small chapter, and they had a basic message to them. I remember one that was, I will persist until I will succeed. And th- this whole chapter was, you know, like, I am a lion against the fight against lambs. It was very dramatic and, and very biblical. And um, and it was kind of OTT. But at the same time, the concept was that when you read The Greatest Salesman in the World, that every morning before you got out of bed, you'd read this chapter. And then every night before you went to sleep, you would read the chapter again. And you'd read that whole chapter every day for 30 days non-stop. Once you'd done that first chapter, you'd then move on to the next chapter. And, and I, me being the kind of 
the the studious student that I, uh, that I was, I, I really went through that process. So every morning I wake up and I read this chapter on I will persist until I succeed. I am the lion in the, in the fight against the lambs and, and all the rest of it. And after a while, I noticed that it did help me to influence my decisions in my day-to-day life. I did find that at times when I would be struggling with persistence, that this I will persist until I succeed saying would pop up in my mind. And that's what affirmations have the power of doing. They have the power of creating conscious or or bringing consciousness into our thought-making process when decisions can be hard in our life. It's almost like they help us stay aware of the things that we should be focusing on in certain times. Now the difference of, of me now and me back, you know, 15 years ago was that I was looking for other people to create my affirmations for me. So for at that time... Ogmandingo was my biggest influence when it came to creating affirmations. And it's a process I've kept up ever since. I still get up in the morning and I read my affirmations before I get out of bed. And, and again, I do visualization and other stuff as well, which I'll look into in another podcast in the future. But the difference between me now and the difference from me in the past was that Ogmandingo doesn't really create my affirmations. I create my affirmations. And how do I base that? I base my affirmations on life lessons that I have learned that are important to me. And that's what I want you to think of. You know, through these studies like Dan Aurelio and that have done, they're kind of proving that if we can have a moral compass in our life, that we can make better decisions for ourselves. You know, and dishonesty and in lots of different areas. But we want to be the leader of our own moral compass. And we want to be the leader of the things that are important to us. And, and it wants to come from lessons you've learnt about you. One of the biggest things I'm a big advocate of is that you know yourself better than anybody else. You know the things in your life that are good for you and are bad for you. You know, I can maybe look from the outside and help you find that stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, as an individual, we know ourselves best. And there's some things over the years that you've learned about yourself that are really good for you. And there's some things that you know, the habits that will sneak in that are actually not necessarily so good for you. And affirmations are one of those great tools that can help you be aware of when you're making decisions that are going to push you in the right direction and move you away from the wrong direction. I thought I'd share examples of my affirmations. So, so I'm going to tell you about my experience. So when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I obviously turn on my light, my bedside lamp, and I get out my book of it. I have a book that I actually read. Uh, it's kind of this big kind of thing that I go through every morning. And, and as a part of the book I go through, I have my affirmations that I read. And I actually put my iPhone on and I get the latest music that I'm loving that gets me emotionally charged. So at the moment, I, just the other week, I bought the Tron, the, the you know, the movie by Tron by um, with Jeff Bridges in it. And there's a band called Daft Punk, and they've done this very epic kind of music, um, operatic, epic, you know, gets me emotionally charged. So I kind of put the music on first. And then in my ears, I'm, I'm listening to this music, and I'm just kind of getting in a really strong emotional state. So I'm, I'm starting to feel quite, kind of just lifted through this music. And then I have my my couple pages of affirmations. Now, one of the affirmations I've read on the show before, so I'll quote, I will read that one again because I, you know, I'll just go through it. But I'll read you the two core affirmations I have. The first is the one that represents the whole me as a self. I'll read it to you now. Being Bevan James Isles is a special thing. This is because there is nobody else like me. With my core values of love, honesty, growth, 
freedom, creativity, health, and happiness, and my trust in the rule that passion equals success, I know I can always be the best possible me. In my everyday decisions, I will use these amazing values to improve my world and me. Plus, I will remind myself of these things. Money is here to set up my freedom, to help my world be a better place, to give me experiences that grow and develop me, to help me learn and to build my community. My friends and family are so valuable, the gold of my life. I will always treat them with care, love and honesty. When loved ones spend time with me, they will feel life is better. Plus, I will never judge. Instead, I will always try to understand. I will always love myself for the core of what I are. My eyes, ears and mind will absorb the beautiful things that make me me. I will consistently make decisions that enhance my body and mind. Plus, I will always trust myself. My pleasure will come from the rewards of growth, being able to suck in the experiences of life and the giving and receiving of love. I will consistently grow in all the important areas of my life because I have the courage to be the best version of myself, to be a 100% me. I will show the world that I can be successful by being different. Bevan James Isles. So that's the first thing I read. And if you can imagine, you know, I've got this amazing music pumping in my head. And I actually, when I'm going through the process of reading this, I kind of create a visual picture around it as well. Now, I know this sounds real egotistical and, and, and I get it, but this is a tool that makes me be the best version of myself. It's an affirmation that in my moments of my day where I may struggle with some of the self stuff, I this stuff seems to pop up in my head. Then I have kind of sayings and rules that sit with me. So I've got sayings for Bevan James Isles. We must be the change we wish to see in the world. That's the Gandhi expression, which I, I think is very important. Think different, and that obviously comes from Apple, and I, I love that concept. Um, when people spend time with me, they will feel life is better. This one's really important to me. I, I, I'm obviously going to talk you through why these things are important to me, but this one's really important to me. I, I love the idea that if anyone in this world gets time with me that when they walk away from that that energy I give them that they actually think life is a good thing and that's you know it's a key driver for me I'm here to make a difference readers are leaders I, I really believe in learning and reading is a good way to learn be aware of others suffering that comes from the Dalai Lama um, his, his happiness book which I really loved was um, the, the moment you can understand other people are suffering the, the more freer you can be in self and have acceptance of other people. Materials don't represent me. That's that's obviously pretty important to me. I'm not a very materialistic person. Um, help other people see their greatness. And and I think that's something that I want to improve on more and more because if you allow people to see their greatness in themselves, that's so empowering. Uh, praise, praise, praise. I, I believe in the power of praise. Love everyone. Never gossip. And to be honest, that's a really tough one. Um, if I don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. And again, that is, that's one of the ones that challenges me the most because when I have my insecure moments, like anybody, I'm, I'm, I do struggle not to go to the negative side in other people. And I think, you know, you know I suppose I'm kind of starting to waffle now, but what is interesting is that there are moments in my life where I will find myself wanting to be critical of someone else. And it's like this saying just pops up in my head at that time. And that's what affirmations can do. Here's another one, be the better person. That's the concept of when you are struggling with other people, you know, do the right thing and be the better person. When people think of me, they will smile. I don't know everything, so I'm learn from others. And, and I'll be honest, that's been a big one for me because it's not that I think I know everything, but often I think I'm right 
more than I really should think I'm right. And that one allows me to actually step away from situations and go, well, actually, what am I missing in this situation? Move towards new experiences. Listen. First things first. That one is the concept of, you know, in your day, do the things that are really important first. Don't, you know, delay the things that are important. Be honest in my moment of pain. That's, oh, I could go deeper. I'm getting pretty deep, team. Um, that one to me is um, being honest in my moment of pain is that, as a strong person, often I don't go to for help or support from people who are there for me until I've solved my problems. And I've learned in life that I'm actually better off to go to the person or the people who love and care for me in my moment of pain. And it's a much better experience for me and for my relationship with them. Uh, in relationships, I will always turn towards. Um, I could talk deep into that one. I won't be impeccable with my word. Now, I, I, to be honest, I'm a prolific swearer. <laughs> if, if you guys hang out with me, I, I use the F word. I use I swear a lot all the time, and I'm not going. You know, I am what I am, and some people don't like me for that reason. And so bad, I understand that. But impeccable with my word is it's more what energy and what what are you saying about other people and stuff. Never make assumptions, and turn good to great. So those are kind of like my basic rules that I sit in every day. And then lastly, I have the saying that I have said on the show before, but I will do it again. It's the, um, the Apple saying that I read another time. It's here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs that's in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can praise them, disagree with them, quote them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They invent, they imagine, they heal, they explore, they create, they inspire, they push the human race forward. Maybe you have to be crazy, or maybe they have to be crazy. How else can you stare at an empty canvas and see a work of art? Or sit in silence and hear a song that's never been written? Or gaze at a red planet and see a laboratory on world on wheels? While some see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So I've pretty much revealed myself to you guys, haven't I? And those rules that I've, this is the stuff I've figured out over the years. You know, I talk about you know, the Gandhi saying, or I read this book and I got this influence. And these are the things that I've figured out for myself in my life that are important to me. And because they're important to me, I want to remind myself of them often. And that's what an affirmation does for you. An affirmation allows you to determine what is important to you, A, as a being, you know, your core values and interests, and then B, in the actions you take in your day-to-day -day life. Now, for some of you, you may do completely different to me. I have a friend, um, Ish, who I actually used to do the old podcast with, and, and his affirmations were based on superpowers. He was like a Superman kind of hero, and he'd have these superpowers that he would promote through his affirmations. And that's the thing with this stuff. There's no rules. The rules are... It works for you. And the more time you can spend determining your rules in life and then create a place where you can put that into your day, the more value you're going to get from it. And I'll go back to what I was talking about before with the one of the ones that challenges me the most. I'm just going to pick up my book here right now. Um, one of the ones that challenges me the most is if I don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. Now, I'm a, I tend to be a pretty positive person, but at times... And to be honest, it's, it's often just when I'm insecure, but I will find myself a little bit negative about certain people. And it's easy to be critical and to bring, try to bring them down, mainly because of my insecurity. But because I do my affirmations daily, 
these the, uh, uh, and there's no science behind this. I don't really know how this works. But for some reason, if I have that thought when I'm going to be negative to say something bad about someone else, the affirmation just seems to pop up in my head. And again, it's that moral compass that Dan Ariely was talking about. The moral compass that keeps me in a place which actually helps me to be the best version of myself. That when I do say those critical things about other people, or if I do say those critical things about other people, I'm actually... I kind of feel disappointed in myself when I do it because I know it comes from a place of weakness, not a place of strength or trying to understand my own weakness. And that's how affirmations, from my experience, work. So what does this mean for you? I think there's a few things we want, we want to do. First of all, you can you can you can you know you can copy what I've done, or you can go get Old Mandingo's book, or you can you know find affirmations on the internet that could work really really well. But just look at some, you know, you can have your favorite sayings in life. Look at things that you know about yourself or that you think you want to maintain in the way you lead your life. Now, my affirmations are very big picture stuff, but you could even have affirmations based on, you know, today, chocolate will stay away from my mouth. And so, you know, if you say that in the morning, if, if chocolate is a problem in your life, and you say that in the morning, and then when chocolate comes up, that thought is going to come up in your head. Now, I'll be honest, it doesn't necessarily mean that you won't eat chocolate. But creating that awareness then makes that moral compass come up at that decision-making process. And that's where affirmations can be really powerful. So what should you do? I think there's a few things we can do with this. The first is to, to look back into your past and look back to some of the things that you think were really great about the way you led your life. And then what are some affirmations that you can bring into it that are real for you, that are going to keep you on that path? Then what are some rules that are, again, going to, you know, if we think back to the best version of yourself, what are some rules that you can have in your life that you would be good to remind yourself of on a day-to-day way? And then just create them. You can go on the internet, you can find other people's and all the rest of it. The second thing I think to do, and, and I really do believe in the power of music, I think music is one of those things in life that we just don't quite understand how powerful it is, but I do know that for the longest time I did affirmations without music, and they still worked, but now I find, you know, by finding music that is current and important or, or emotionally charged for me, some reason I've been able to take my affirmations to a much higher place and I think it's just because it's tapping into the emotion of music so if you can find some emotionally driven music you know get up in the morning put your iPod on put your ears on put that you know emotionally charged music on so and even you sit in the music before you start reading your affirmations then read your affirmations as well and I've found that that makes my affirmations more powerful lastly they will evolve. The affirmations I have today are different from the ones I had in the past. And, and I'm quite a goal-driven person, so I kind of do my process every three to six months. And, and I'll look at my affirmations and I'll go, well, you know, does this really sit with me right now? Maybe I need to make some adjustments. And over the years they have, you know, if I look back at my goals book from 10 years ago, my affirmations are different, completely different to what they are now. And also you might, you know, you might find, read a new book where you, you find a new rule that you think, wow, that's a rule I want to sit in that makes me the best version of myself. Or you may have a conversation with someone and they really touch you and you learn a lesson about yourself. And ideally, all of this is about you creating the rules of your life, the way to live, not maybe the rule, rules is such a hard word, the way to you live your life 
that makes you the most fulfilled, happiest version of yourself. And all you're doing is just creating a reminder every day that's keeping that compass pointed in that direction so that in those moments where you are confronted with moral or, or decisions that could be challenging, you have a reminder of what's really important to you. And we all know that those moments can be really challenging. And we all stuff them up at times. But with the use of affirmations, for some reason, they help you stay on that path to that place where you are the better, happier, more fulfilled version of yourself. So sit down, commit some time, think about the time in the past, think about the sayings that inspire you. You know, I, I think of, um, there's one guy I listened to and he was talking about affirmations and I thought he had some brilliant ideas. Instead of using boring passwords on your, your email accounts and stuff like that, have passwords of, of affirmations or, or things that are important to you. I love my kids. You know, is your password to your Gmail account, although that's not my Gmail account. But, but, you know, think of ways that you can include these in your life. And lastly, find ways to keep them fresh. You know, sometimes these habits that we can create for our life, if we just do them day in, day out, they lose effect. It's, you know, it's like kind of like caffeine hit. When you first drink coffee, it seems amazing. Over a period of time, you don't get the same level of hit from it. And affirmations can lose their effectiveness if you don't find ways to keep them stimulating in your mind. So that's where the use of music or, or sometimes changing them, you know, doing completely different ones or just doing certain periods where you're just focused on certain affirmations. I know today's podcast is a really simple podcast, you know, but from Dan Ariely's study and my own experience in life, it seems as though we all need a compass that's going to keep us on the right path and that this compass, ideally, is something that we should be including in our day-to-day life. So if you were to include this moral compass or this sense of self-compass in your day-to-day life, do you think it would be easier to make decisions that keep you happier, more fulfilled and on a path that is right for you based on what you know about yourself. I've got to be really honest with you guys. It's actually tomorrow in my world. I um I recorded yesterday's show or the show that you've just listened to yesterday, and I, then I went away and I trained the kids, and we had a really fun training session. And uh and it's actually a little bit warmer in my lounge right now. But um I've just been listening to yesterday's show that I put together, and there is one thing I just want to touch on before I kind of wrap up today's show is that you know I, I kind of talked a lot of big picture stuff there, a lot of self in that, and but you can use affirmations for you know specific goals that you have today you can you can use them for today I'm going to get out and train or today I'm going to eat healthy and you know you can actually be specific get really specific to some of the the fitness stuff in your life and how you can use affirmations around some of the rules that you create for yourself in those areas so um, I just know for myself um, I, I tend to think big picture but I have also at times used affirmations to be strong oh my phone's ringing I better go get that I'm so professional, and I, I I could have cut that phone out, but I think keep it real. Um, so you know, I have used affirmations at times with you know really specific stuff around fitness, and um, well, not so much diet because I don't really have the diet problems, but you know, I have used it in specific ways, and so can you. So be aware that you can do that. Okay, quick other things. I better uh, talk to a couple of things first of all. I have done the worksheet as always, and now I've kind of designed this week's 
or this month's worksheet around the concept of you creating these affirmations yourself, looking a little bit to your past and things that you've done in your past that have, you know, things that are good about your past that you can maybe bring back into your life or that you think are important enough to be a, a daily reminder. Um, Identify you know, some of the music stuff and also just to help you find a set plan. And I did, the idea of this worksheet is that you have a plan or a set of affirmations at the end of it that you can read every morning and find some music to go alongside it. So you can check that out. That's on my website, bevanjamesisles.com and just look under the fitness behavior for this month's show, which is episode 10. And there'll be a link there. You buy it, it's $3 US. It's a PDF, you link it, you can print it off and Bob's your uncle. One other thing I have got available right now, I actually do some online coaching over Skype and I coach um, people mainly in lifestyle choices. I've got people around the world that I coach and I, I limit it to either five to seven people because for me it's just something... Uh, it's, that's the only time I can really devote to doing that. So, but at the moment I have one slot available. Now the cost is $120 New Zealand a session. Um, and for people overseas, it was often reasonably cheap because of the currency conversion. So if you are overseas and you're listening to this and you think that I could maybe help you with some of your lifestyle choices, uh, feel free to email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. That's bevanjames at gmail.com. And uh, we can maybe sort out, a, just have a bit of a chat, see if it will work. And, you know, if you feel it's right, it's something that we can work towards. I, I do have to say, I really love doing that coaching stuff because it's it's kind of really digging deep with people. And it's something to say that I... That, that it's it's one of the most rewarding parts of everything that I'm doing is to, to help people create massive change in the right direction in their life. So if you do want to do that, check it out. It's bevanjames at gmail and you can email me that and we'll get on through. As I was saying earlier in the show, I have got, I got so many emails about last month's show and, and which is really great. I It kind of blows my mind that, I, you know, that you guys would write to me and tell me that you appreciate what I'm doing. And I thought I'd just read out a couple emails. And the first one's from Brody, and Brody, uh, let me just pull it up on my page here, Brody's just saying, I listened to a couple of your podcasts back to back, they're really awesome and I love your take on understanding of fitness, I especially appreciate the getting back into fitness podcast, largely because that is what's happened to myself over the last two years, I've started getting into fitness and losing weight, I was 150kg and I'm now 108, like, that, that, that stuff blows my mind, because I've never been the overweight person, and... You know, to lose you know, over 40 kg, is that that is life-changing stuff. You know, what you can see in your mind. You know, Brody, you're doing really great stuff. I know I'm kind of getting excited by this, but, you know, you're doing awesome stuff. They've got, uh, Brody's got, I still have a long way to go to where I want to be, but I want to say that you're on the spot. It's about doing whatever you can to start setting realistic goals, no matter how small, so that you can achieve them and feel good about achieving them. I've belonged to gyms before this. I've tried with trainers before, and everything else had failed. The goal from day one were gyms four times a week in the morning, protein shakes and calorie counting. You become so overwhelmed that you crash completely with altitude. Oh, with the attitude, sorry, I can't do this. It's just too hard. I will never be able to do it. Thank you so much for understanding what it takes to succeed and more importantly, sharing it. I too am interested in making long-term sustainable changes and I want to help other people do the same. And then Brody actually gave me some suggestions for other stuff that I can do on the show. So I definitely will look at some of that other stuff, Brody. So that was just one example of emails that I got. And I've got another one I'm going to pull up here right now. And this one is from Jamie. And Jamie's just saying, I'm an avid listener of I Am Talk. That's the other podcast I do. It's, it's a little bit different to this one. But And now Fitness Behaviour. I'm a cardiologist and a marathon 
triathlete. I try to set a good example for my patients and encourage good fitness behavior. It is very difficult to motivate the obese and unfit. I'm going to try your suggestions of a little bit at a time. Wish me luck. Now, Jamie, I really hope it's going well. You have to send me through an email to tell me how it's going um, because it's, it's nice to see that you know you have a huge influence on these people's lives because they respect your opinions. So it'll be interesting to see um, you know, if this message can be, you know, really good at helping them move forward. So that were just some of the examples of the emails I got. Again, if you guys want to email me about anything on the show or, or topics that you want me to discuss on the show or books or anything you think is great, I, I love the communication I have with you guys. Feel free to email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. That's bevanjames at gmail.com. I always try to answer within 24 hours. Sometimes I'm too busy, but most of the time I'll get back to you within 24 hours. Uh, lastly, I just want to thank you, the people who thank the people who have donated to the show this month or over the last few months. So I'm just going to pull up their names. Give me a second. I've got uh, Renee Haynes and uh, Kirsten Shepard, Sue Chambers, uh, Rob Thompson, and Andrew Johnson. So uh, just thank you so much for donating to the show. Uh, I haven't got sponsorship for the show and, and I'm I, I kind of in two minds about getting sponsorship for this show because it's a different kind of show but um, you know the sponsors that these people have given and people in the past have given have really helped me get out there and get good content and you know just create a great show so I really appreciate anything that you can do to help me create a great show so to those people Renee, Kirsten, Sue, Rob and James uh, once again thank you so much for your donations Anywho, that's pretty much me for this month. What have I got on this month? You know what I'm really excited about? I've gone through, um, as an athlete, you, I always tend to find you get an injury period every year. Like I, I exercise 20 plus exercise hours a week, so I've always been pretty excessive. And you're always going to get this period where you just have slight injuries that you have to work around. And in the last couple of months, I've just been an injury, you know, every kind of injury you can get I've had in the last couple of months. But in the last two weeks my body is back to the place where I can kind of beat myself up which because I love doing that uh, at a good intensity and you know not have to worry about my body being injured and so I've got a run I'm going to be doing in a few months called the Abel Tasman now it's one of the New Zealand and the South Island New Zealand is one of the most stunning locations in the world if you ever get to come to the South Island of New Zealand I highly recommend it and they have these beautiful beautiful nature walks and one of the nature walks that they have is called the Abel Tasman Walk which is in the top part of the South Island, a place called Nelson, it's just off there and they have a running race which is around 36Ks and it's going to be happening in September and so now I've pretty much got 12 weeks to train for it which I'm stoked about. I, I obviously would have liked longer but 12 weeks is enough for me to get myself pretty sharp so coming up this week I'm going to be beating the feet on the street again and getting right back into that so that's kind of my big thing right now and what else am I up to? Um, my daughter's just turned 14 which is a little bit scary. Um, but at the same time, kind of cool. Uh, 14-year-olds have a lot of energy and they've got a lot to offer the world, which I kind of love. And other than that, not much else. My partner and I are still looking for houses. Actually, I'm about to go right now. I'm going to go look at one right now. So fingers crossed we can find a place together. But other than that, I'm just rocking on. I'm going to see you guys next month. I've got another good show coming up next month. I'm already starting to work on it right now. I, I, quickly before I wrap up, I thought I'd tell you about how I kind of create the show. It's interesting. I pretty much... Once I push send on this to get it out to you guys, my mind instantly goes on the next show. And then for the next three weeks, I spend about a week determining what it is I'm going to talk about on the next show. And then I spend time researching that area. Now, sometimes I use, like today's show was a lot about me, so it was a lot of more of my experience. So sometimes shows will be more about my experience, and then other times shows will be more about research that I've found. 
And so, um, you know, so then I'll spend the next couple of weeks doing research. And then the, the last week of the month, I spend time developing how I'm going to put the show together and how to make it interesting as content. So that's kind of how I do it. So next month, I'll be putting it out there for you guys. Um, I'm not going to do a YouTube clip for this one because I got feedback saying my YouTube clips are pretty terrible, which <laughs> which I which I really appreciated, but <laughs> which kind of sucked. Um, they said that, that I had a guy I can't remember his name, but he sent me through an email saying how um, long form doesn't really work in video clips, and that ideally I want to be condensing it down to like six minutes and just really hitting your key points, kind of like what TV would do. And and when he sent me through the email, it kind of did seem clear because. You know, this audio format works really well, but maybe not so well as you're watching me on YouTube. So I'm kind of trying to figure out how I can make it work in an audio, I mean, a visual way uh, so that it can be short and sharp and still get the message across. So I, I will do a YouTube clip around this content at some stage, but it probably won't be this month because... I've obviously got a lot to learn. So anyway, that's uh, that's me for this month, guys. Thanks so much for your time. Keep on kicking butt and keep on spreading the word about the show because every little bit you help to spread the word really makes a big difference to what I can do. So love your work. Get out there, enjoy your month, and I'll see you next month. (laughs) 